Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman-Torpe and Peter Torpe. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. This week we'll be talking about the National Library Service that offers a full range of audio and braille reading material to anyone with any kind of print disability. We'll talk with Karen Kenninger, Director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, about the service, who qualifies, and what exciting changes patrons can expect in the next few years. Instead of a tip this week, we have something we'd like to share with you. Karen asked us to air this episode the first week in January because, although most of the material that they provide these days is audio, not Braille, January 4th is National Braille Day in honor of Louis Braille's birth on that date in 1809. Coincidentally, he died on January 6th, 1852. So that's still this week. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by Way Around, revolutionizing how people with vision loss keep track of important information about everyday things with the tap of a smartphone. The simple tag and scan system promotes independence in everyday situations. Learn more at www.wayaround.com. Let's start by meeting Karen and learning about how she got into her current position. Hi, my name is Karen Kenninger, and I am the director of the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. I have been the director here in Washington for the past seven years. And before that, I was actually the director of the Iowa Department for the Blind. How did you get into blindness services? Did you have any history of blindness in your family or friends? Oh, actually, I am blind. And I have been blind since I was a small child. I went to school through the Iowa School for the Blind in Vinton. um, And I have used the National Library Service since I was seven years old. And because of that, it has been a very important service in my life for many, many years. I can remember when I was a small child and I would get books in the mail and it was like Christmas. I would get Braille books that were wrapped up in brown paper and string, just like they sing about in the songs. And it would be a a very exciting thing for me to get them and, and take them to my room where my father had built a very custom-designed place for my talking book machine. It was a big old record player and my talking books and underneath it a shelf specifically for my Braille books. It was a very important part of my life since I was seven years old. And I remember getting those books also. It's a great service. And I am sure many of our listeners are grateful patrons of your service. You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is the services provided by the NLS. So before we get into some of the specific programs, which we'll talk about later, I was wondering if you can give us an idea of about how big the NLS services are and what is their primary mission? Our primary mission is 
to provide a public library service to people who aren't able to use the standard public library services in their hometowns. So as to how big the service is, we have about a hundred and some thousand books um, available in digital format, plus some older books that aren't in digital format. And we work with about a hundred libraries around the country to provide the direct service. How do you work with the regional libraries to get the reading material to the individuals? The way that it works is that the National Library Service that I am the director of here in Washington is a division of the Library of Congress, and our job is to provide the materials that people need for the library service. So we basically make the talking books and the Braille books and the equipment that we also provide, talking book machines and accessories. We provide all of that. We're we're funded through Congress and we use our federal funding to provide all those materials and we provide them not directly to the patrons for the most part, but in fact we provide them to about a hundred libraries around the country who serve as our points of contact for our patrons. So we will send them the books and the machines and their job will be to maintain the collections and to maintain the machines and also to register new patrons and to provide reader advisory service, technical support, and all the other types of support that our patrons need in order to actually have a really successful library experience. And if anybody wants to hear in more detail from one of your regional libraries, a little over a year ago in episodes 1749 and 1750, we spoke with the director of the Colorado Talking Book Library, Debbie McLeod, and that was just fascinating. Uh, Debbie's great. Um, They do a great service in Colorado, and each of the states has at least one regional library, save one state, which is Wyoming, but all the other states have regional libraries, and so do the territories. With the 55 regional libraries, there's two in New York, two in Pennsylvania, and a couple of other duplicates, and then the sub-regionals and the advisory and outreach centers, we are able to reach people all around the country. We also serve people who are living abroad who are U.S. citizens, and those people are served through our services here in Washington. We also have a music services that we provide from Washington, and that is provided to all people throughout the country who are using our services. What does the music collection consist of? We have a collection of musical scores in Braille and also instructional materials in Braille and audio formats that people can borrow or in some cases download from our BARD service. I was going to say, you offer a very wide range of services and different types of materials in different formats from periodicals to magazines. Can you give us an overview of specifically what's available and what people can find through the NLS? Sure. We have approximately 40 audio magazines and about that many Braille magazines, which we can send directly to the patrons. And those range from children's magazines, homemaking magazines, um, sports magazines like Sports Illustrated, Rolling Stone, um, of just a wide variety of magazines, some news magazines. And those are available through a service that we call the Magazines on Cartridge Service, which 
comes directly from NLS but and directly to the patrons, but is administered for each patron through their network libraries. We also have, as I said before, a collection of about 100,000 digital books right now, and those digital books are either Braille or talking book or sometimes both. We have a wide variety of topics in our, our books, everything from romance and mystery and adventure and suspense to children's, little tiny children's books to popular news and popular history and politics and religion the whole gamut of books that you would find if you were looking for things in a public library. And that's our goal is to be the nation's public library for people who are blind or disabled and can't use standard print. Well, that is certainly a tremendous resource. Approximately how many users are being served by the NLS? We have about 450,000 of you out there who are using our service at this point. We also have accounts in many institutions, either nursing homes or schools, hospitals, libraries, places like that where some of our patrons are, and they're being able to be served through the institutions as well. So we try to reach as many people as we possibly can. So we have, as I said, about 450,000 patrons about 65,000 institutions, and they are served directly by this 100 network libraries. And it's not always easy to do because a lot of times people don't know about the service and they don't really hear about it until perhaps they could have been using it for years sometimes. And we are working hard to combat that. It's certainly a service that I value very highly, and my goal has been to increase the number of people who use the service and also to increase the number of titles that we have available in the service, as well as to use technology to improve the service and to maintain the quality of the service as, as we go forward. We have had a very high quality of service, not only the service that we receive through our network libraries, but also in terms of the quality of the talking books and the Braille books that we send out. And it's been very important to maintain that quality as we move forward into new adventures. And talk a little bit about how people acquire these books. They don't go down to their local public library, but as you said, the services are administered through regional libraries. People sign up for services with their regional libraries, and then for the most part, there are two big ways of getting the books. You can walk into your library and pick them up, and in some um, urban centers, that's what people do. But for people out in the countryside or people in different parts of the state where it's not convenient, they can be mailed to them. We have a mailing process with the United States Postal Service that allows us to mail books to people and for them to mail the books back simply by flipping a card over in the mailing container and sending it back. So they don't pay postage and we don't pay postage. Uh, the post office carries them and is subsidized by Congress to do so. So that makes it very convenient, books coming right to your door, and then you can very readily mail them back. We got lots of books in the mail that way. Our letter carrier was often scratching his head. But these days, Pete gets most of his reading material through direct download from you. Yes, that is the other way that we we provide material readily, and that is through our BARD service. BARD stands for Braille and Audio Reading Download. 
and it is a download service that allows you to download any of the 100,000 or so titles that are available on there and any one of the 16,000 magazine issues that are also available on there. And then you can play them either on your talking book machine or you can play them on your third-party device like a, a Victor Reader Stream or a PlexTalk, those little machines. Or you can also play them on our apps, which are available for the iPhone and for the Android devices. There, it's called Bard Mobile, and you can use it either on an Amazon device like a Kindle, a Kindle Fire. Some of them are quite accessible. Or you can use on your iPhone, your tablet, your Android phone. We have apps for both of those systems, and they're becoming more and more popular as people realize how quickly they can get something. You see something right now, you can just download it and read it, just like sighted people do with iBooks and that sort of service. And it's interesting to watch the changes that the NLS has gone through to keep up with technology, make more material available more quickly, and also more readily available and easy to get through downloads. You've changed quite a bit in terms of making cooperative ventures with publishers, I would guess, in getting audiobooks quickly into circulation from the NLS. That used to not be the case. Yes, we used to have to wait for a couple of years really to get a hot topic, and by then it wasn't so hot anymore. Um, I'm very pleased to say that we've been working with commercial audio publishers, and we are able to get the files for the books, and often we can get them very shortly after and once in a while right at the same time as the publication for the general public. We will take those audio files, and we will convert them into standard talking book format, and then we'll put them on BARD and put them on cartridge so that people who use BARD can download them right away and people who use the cartridges can uh, order them from their network libraries. That's been a real boon to us. Because of that, we've been able to increase the number of titles available and the number of new titles available every year as we um, use more commercial audio titles. And then we still continue to do custom narrated titles that wouldn't ever have been put into audio. So we're not duplicating what the commercial audio people are doing. We are supplementing it. And that's working out really well. That's made a dramatic difference over the years in terms of what is available. Yes, I think it really has, and the timeliness as well. We've also um, streamlined our processes so that even our custom narrated books come much more quickly than they used to. So we're very proud of, of that as well. So what other changes are in the offing for the NLS in the future? I'm sure there's always something new coming up. Well, there are some new things, and I'm very excited about them. One of the new things that we are going to be able to do is to provide digital Braille on digital Braille devices. Right now we have digital Braille available for download from BARD, but you have to have your own device in order to use it. And we are going to be able to have Braille e-readers, which are refreshable Braille devices, available to patrons who are Braille readers so that they will be able to take full advantage of the digital Braille. And the advantages to that will be that we will be able to produce a lot more material if we don't have to make hard copy out of it. That would be really terrific. When do you expect to have the Braille e-readers available? 
Now, this is going to take a while to implement. We have signed a contract to develop a Braille e-reader for the NLS program, and we expect to be piloting those readers next fall. And we'll start with a fairly small pilot, and then we will expand it as we go forward and get more devices. So it's not going to happen overnight, but it is a very exciting move. The cost of the refreshable Braille devices has decreased significantly in the past five years, and that has allowed us to be able to move forward with this project. So we're very, very excited about that. And I know there are a lot of people out there, a lot of Braille readers who are very excited about it as well. How big of a refreshable Braille display will you be putting on that device? How many cells? It'll be 20 cells. Oh, well, that works. You're reading straight text. Yes, it does. And and the goal of this device is to be able to read um, the text in an NLS book. That's our primary goal. You can read other things on it as well, of course, but our books are actually formatted in 40-cell lines, so they come out pretty well on a 20-cell display. But the cost of the cells is still not nothing, so we had to, had to maintain it at that level. I've read a lot of books on a 20-cell and even an 18-cell display, and I have found it to be perfectly comfortable to read that way. So I'm hopeful that other people will have that same experience. Well, that would be really nice for people who enjoy reading Braille. And it's nice the cost of those technologies has come down so much. I remember some of the early Braille displays costing between five and $10,000, and now they're just a few hundred. Yes, that's true. I'm very excited about that. What else is coming down the pipeline? Well, we are also looking at what will the next generation of talking book services and Braille services be, and we are looking at fully digital services. So we have about five to seven years timeline for implementation of the new generation, but what we're looking at is connected digital devices that would download material directly to the device and would be able to read, obviously, the read the books on the device, either using a refreshable Braille display or using this connected digital device. It might look like a tablet or a small iPhone, something on that order. But it's going to take us some time to work all of the details out for this. But that's what our next generation service is likely to be. And I think that will be really beneficial to the people that we serve because it will allow people to get their books immediately, even if they're not the people who are comfortable using BARD and and going and and getting them themselves. And it'll also allow the network libraries to push books to the device so that the people who generally are on profile select kind of systems where they just tell the library, just give me the books that are kind of, you know, cozy mysteries or romances and I don't give me any war stories or something like that. They will still be able to have that same kind of service on this new device. And I think the one exciting aspect of it that, I believe will be part of the new device is that it will all be voice controlled so that you'll be able simply to talk to it simply like you can your Google Home or your Alexa today and you'll be able to just tell it what you want it to do and it will go ahead and do it. Again, this is going to take a lot of development. It's going to take five to seven years to implement, but this is the direction that NLS is moving. One thing I think the NLS has done very well over the years, I mean, there are a whole range of technological capabilities of people. I mean, some people don't mind playing with new devices, learning how they work, but some people just aren't ready for doing that. And you've always made the human interfaces of your device very easy and simple to use with a minimal amount of buttons 
and large buttons in case people have dexterity problems. That takes a lot of thought. It does. And the current talking book machine certainly was developed with that very thing in mind. It's actually made so that you could run it with a mouth stick or you could run it with very limited mobility in your hands. We are looking at the next generation device in the same way, knowing that you can't expect a person who's lost their vision at the age of 80 to pick up an iPhone and start swiping around and and finding what they want and and making it work. That's just more than is fair to ask. So what we are looking at, again, is something that would be so easy that it would take no technical skill at all if you just simply talk. Most people are able to talk. Some people it might be a little difficult for, but for the most part, people are able to talk to each other and therefore to devices. And as the artificial intelligence gets better and better, the interpretation of what they request will get better and better as well. Can people run BARD directly through their smart home device? So talk to Google Home, tell it you want it to play some book from BARD and just have it play the book through its speaker? Not yet, but that is something that will be part of this next generation. We'll be be using the digital personal assistance. We'll be using connected uh, digital devices like uh, um, smartphones. We're looking at how to actually do the Google Home type experience, and that's coming, but it's not here just yet. We've talked a lot about the types of material that you distribute and the services that you offer. Maybe you can tell us who is eligible for these services and how do they sign up? If a person can't read standard print because either they're blind or visually impaired to the degree that reading is not comfortable and and efficient, and that can sometimes be a fairly minimal visual impairment, you don't have to be blind in order to use it. They are eligible if reading standard print is just not convenient or efficient for them. Other people who are eligible are people who have physical disabilities, people who have had strokes, people who have had spinal cord injuries, people who have difficulty for other reasons, cerebral palsy or Parkinson's, that can't hold a book still or can't hold it at all or can't turn the pages, they're eligible as well. And the other category of people is people who have reading disabilities such as dyslexia. Is there a citizenship requirement? There's not a citizenship requirement, but there is a residency requirement. You have to be a resident of the United States, or if you are being served abroad, you have to be a citizen to receive services abroad. But for people in the United States, the residency is it. It's like your public library. There's not a citizenship requirement. We did an entire episode about Bard Mobile about five years ago. Can you refresh our listeners with what's new since then? Um, A couple of things about BARD that I don't think I mentioned. One of them is that if you are a BARD user, you can look at all the books that you've downloaded so that sometimes people will say, oh, that book looks pretty interesting, but I wonder if I've already read it. Some of our readers are really quite prolific, so you can look at that. Actually, I look at my list to say, what shall I give this person for Christmas? Oh, I've read that. That was a good one. There are also most popular books listed on BARD, so you can see what everybody else is reading, both fiction and nonfiction. 
And of the hundred and some thousand titles on there, there's always something for everyone. We have also a utility that you can use on your PC. Now, this has been a problem for a lot of people who have some technical skills but who are not real proficient with some of the technologies that they have to use on a computer. And so it's been difficult for them to actually download the book and then unzip it onto the cartridge and then play it that way. So what we have developed is called BART Express, and it is a utility that you can use on your PC that makes searching and downloading books from BART very easy. So if people haven't seen that and used it yet, we strongly recommend it if you're a PC user and wanting to be more efficient with BARD downloads. That's a nice little utility. It's very simple compared to using the website for people who are sometimes challenged by websites. Yes, yes. Good job on that. Well, thanks for that overview. I've certainly made incredible use of these services through the years, and I encourage other people to sign up so they can avail themselves of these services also. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the NLS and BARD and how to get the apps Karen mentioned. So if people want to find out more about the NLS, some of these services, and possibly sign up, where would you send them? I would send them initially to either a website, which is www.loc.gov slash NLS, The LOC is for Library of Congress, the GOV is for Government, and NLS is for NLS. The website includes news and information about NLS eligibility requirements and how to contact a library in your state to enroll, etc. We do the enrollment through the libraries per se, so that's the place you need to go. But if you're not a web user, we have a national toll-free number, which is one 888 NLS read that's 18886577323 and you can call that number and get directed to your network library in your state is there an email address if people want to submit questions that way there is an email address for the NLS which is nls at loc.gov and do you have a social media presence We have a Facebook page, and our Facebook page is www.facebook.com slash that all may read, all run together, that all may read. Is there a special website for BARD that you would direct people to? The website for BARD, the easiest way to get to it is to go to the general website for for NLS, the the, uh, loc.gov slash NLS website, and then use the BARD link to get to it. And as you also mentioned, people can download apps for accessing BARD and reading books from BARD on their Google phones or their iOS devices. So they should look for those apps. Absolutely. And you can look for those in the App Store for Apple or in Google Play. Just search for BARD Mobile. Yes. And as usual, you'll find all that contact information and references in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. 
Also, we've done a number of episodes of Eyes on Success about NLS and BARD and some of the services, and you should use the search tool on our website to search for NLS or BARD. That's it for show number 1901. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about an innovative white cane. Debbie Marchena is blind and has been using a white cane for several years. And one evening while crossing the street, she was struck by a car who was unable to see her because of the poor lighting. Debbie took that as a motivation to develop a white cane that is actually lit by itself instead of just depending on reflected light. And we get to hear about this development process and hopefully it will be available very soon for everybody who would like to have one. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.